by the powers vested in me by the Federal Communications Commission, I command you to get on the microphone in a serious manner and continue this broadcast. Welcome to Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill. Glad to be back. Matt, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you as well. You guys did great last night. Thanks so much. Always tough to show a new guy around town. You know, you got you to help Matt with some key elements like uh, the word telecom. If you can say telecom without giggling. If you, if you, in this town, that's not easy. Squim, hump tulips. There's a lot of places in this town can really ambush a guy who's uh, broadcasting from elsewhere in the country. We appreciate all the work you guys did last night. Uh, it's Kyra Knights, and joining us tonight, as we love to do, uh, Frank Sumrall is going to talk to us a little bit about movies. I've asked Lisa Brooks to sit in, because when it comes to movies, Lisa is, uh, her opinions and experiences, I think, are make you far more qualified than uh, I am. Well, she has opinions for sure. On she does, yes. very much so. <laughs> We're glad that she's here. Welcome aboard. And Matt, you too, by all means, jump into this. Uh, Frank heard us talk a little bit about the love movies, romance movies on uh, Valentine's Day. And we're going to talk about date movies for 2023. Yeah, so... Well, first off, how oops, are you? I'm doing no, no, great. No, no, don't just jump in there. Let's, get, <laughs> let's spend, them, spend some time conversing. Sorry, no, you're fine, I've just been wired the whole I day. I know. You, work. You, you work hard, man. Uh, no, I'm doing good. I missed you on Wednesday. Thank, oh, thank you. That's kind of you, you know a little little off my schedule uh, being here on a Thursday, but we're making it work. Uh, how was your? Did you have a nice Valentine's? Are you a single guy, married guy? I, I'm a single guy. I unfortunately, when I when I took the job here, we split with you, my oh. with my girl. So um, she just didn't want to follow somebody down the rabbit hole of radio career actually, and all the shortcomings that go with that. She actually went the opposite direction. So we were in both in the Bay Area of California. She went all the way to Southern California, and I moved all the way up here. Wow. So we're still in touch, but it's kind of that like it's tough to make long distance love yeah, work. Yeah, you know. What's the best long-distance love movie of all time? Well, let me tell you. Please. It's the one I watched on Valentine's. No, well, oh, when Harry Met Sally? No. No? No? Okay. Well, oh, I, that's okay. probably oh, is. But the one that time. came to mind, okay. the one that came to mind, it's a little film that uses Seattle as its setting, Sleepless in Seattle. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, I saw When Harry Met Sally. I met Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, You can right. get those confused. I was, I was, okay. to, I, yeah, I totally, I was, no, I was. Meg Ryan. Okay. Nor Ephron. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's it, yeah. That's got to be the greatest long distance love movie, unless somebody has a better idea. Well, it was that one I watched on Netflix the other night, Your Place or Mine, which is pretty dang good. And that's what made me think of this. Yeah. And this is Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon. Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. One. Problem but, is, Ashton Kutcher is just not Tom Hanks. Right. Yeah. Sleepless in Seattle I, is a classic. I, you, I mean, you got the two arguably greatest in their fields. Like Tom Hanks is overqualified to be in that movie. Meg Ryan is one of the greatest in those kind of genre movies. Reese Witherspoon's great, but Ashton Kutcher, I, I really struggle with. You know, and that movie was per- they were in the perfect prime of their acting careers. Not that not that they're antiquated. And and, and sidebar before we start talking about love in the movies, women are, are so unfairly treated. With regard to aging and Thank the you. roles offered to them. Thank you. Except for 80 for Brady, which is getting good reviews. I we're, wouldn't call it romantic. We're, we're safe. We're, well, I don't know. With the way those women talk about Tom Brady, <laughs> I think it's a, an, it's a between the ears cranial romance for all four of those <laughs> yeah. brilliant actresses. True. Brilliant. But, you know, Sean Connery got distinguished, yeah. right? right? Most actresses show up for a role. Oh, you're here to read for the mother, I hope. No. <sighs> you know, that's yeah. just, just, just unfair. So... Let's talk about love in the movies right now, romance date movies. Yeah. So with with what's coming out, 
during this time of year, in terms of what is an accurate date movie in 2023, it's very different than what it was 30 years ago in 1993. Mm-hmm. So, like, the rom-com is not the go-to date movie anymore? I think it's the complete opposite now. I think it's the horror thriller. Ugh. Really? I oh, really I, I do. Like, I like where you're going with this. I really do. I think, I think we're completely flipped. There was a, There's always that one Valentine's Day release we get every year. This year it was uh, Magic Mike 3. <laughs> I mean, you laugh. No, it's, it's, it's an established no. director at least. It, man, you, you, Steven have, Soderbergh. you have so nailed the psyche of America's consumers these days. It's not love and romance, and I hope I find, you know, my knight in shining armor, whether it's Richard Gere, you know, in Pretty Woman or whomever. Tom Hanks in, in You've Got Mail, which is another. He was, you know, he was her hero. Yeah. I mean, he was the villain, but turned Sweet. into her hero. Yeah. But nowadays, you know, women want, like, terror. and <laughs> Not and, all or, women. Or, or, or they want, I mean, a magic mic on Valentine's Day? They want to fantasize about... You know, male dancers? Is that the, is that really just who we are as a culture anymore? Well, and that's the film Scary that came terror, out. Scary terror, horror, sex, that's all we got. Yeah, and that's what came out on Valentine's Day, so that was the choice. And then the, the story of the year so far has been all of these small, independent horror films blowing up. Megan's the big one, The Doll. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote out a couple other ones. Knock at the Cabin did pretty well. That's M. Night Shyamalan's newest. Uh, you have Skinamarink, which is a very creepy, small movie that w- became successful. Missing is a social media thriller. This is what people are watching, and it's a trend that's not going away because if you look late last year, it was still the same trend. We were watching The Dahmer Show. We were watching The Watcher yeah. on Netflix. You had Barbarian, which is that movie on HBO Max about the um, Airbnb that you know is basically a trap. Oh, you know. great. <laughs> Do you watch any of these, though? I mean, have you seen I check any in some of them? I check in some. So what's appealing about them? Um, morbid curiosity? Yeah, that's who we are as a culture. I really think. Really? I think, we've, I think we got kind of broken in the last five years, last three years at least, having every norm we knew from social to labor to our workforce, our workplace norm, our schooling, education norms, everything's been fractured. And now we're all just kind of a little, little on the needing therapy side. Yeah, it's a good time for Frazier to come back. We, yeah. need, a, we need a therapist. He's coming, as a nation. He's coming back in New York, though. Yeah, right? I know. Bastard. Boston. He's going back to <laughs> Boston. Boston. Oh, back whatever. to Boston. Yeah, yeah back to Boston. But it's it's an interesting time. This is the obsession that we have, and it's well documented. And we saw it very close by with the Moscow murders. But that became a nationwide story where everyone is on social media trying to solve it themselves. Mm. They're like deputized in a sense. Yeah. The New York Times wrote a great piece about this nationwide trend of everyone on social media uh, projecting theories and ideas and like, what about this piece of evidence? Why aren't they looking at this? Even though we're not experts, we don't know what's going on. I think that case, though, would be a phenomenon no matter what year. Fair. But we have access to social media and we have access to Google and every other wormhole you can go down. But we are getting these every single year now. Yeah. Unfortunately, not, you know, the uh, Gabby uh, Petito, mm-hmm. you know, that was last year. Oh, right? with the camper and the, yes. her boyfriend? Yeah. Um, and there's yeah. still photos coming out with that story. Do you think that this is also a kind of a byproduct of our fascination with true crime, yes. both on television, yes, in the movies, and podcasts? I mean, how. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, that's what I mean. I couldn't tell you how many, you know, unsolved murder podcasts there are, mystery podcasts. 
you know, and, and every TV show, forensic TV shows, true crime TV right. shows. And we, th- we've all become we've all been deputized. That was a great word for it. I thought Netflix was very strange in how they were marketing the Jeffrey Dahmer series, which won awards. It was a big deal, but they called it Dahmer Monster colon the Jeffrey Dahmer story. And it's season one. They're going to be doing six, eight, ten of these guys. It's a whole universe of these. What, what do you mean um, they're, they're going to do other, other other mass serial killers? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Gacy, they're going to get one. I mean, they're going to do them all. They're, they're going to do... do them all. It's like it's like you know when Universal was trying to do the Tom Cruise monster movies again. They brought back the Mummy and they had all those yeah. plans. Now they're like, let's just do it with real life people. Let's just let's just do it with real life people. Wow. Let's... What do you think of that? Lisa? I think they need. Con- Content badly, yeah. but I think we as a culture need to find ways to uplift our psyches yeah. so that we can dig ourselves out of this violent hole we are in. Jeffrey Dahmer passed a billion hours watched That's last just December. Sad. A billion hours. So. Now that's a, that says a lot about the industry, Lisa. You're right; they are starved for content. They and it's no shock or news that they will do anything for a buck. Right. Literally, they'll make anything into marketable content. There was a big story last year about the families and victims of these of these criminals. Yeah, mm-hmm. digging them up again. Why should I mean, they do that? And put and re re traumatizing. Yeah. Is that the term for these folks, right? Who have to live through this again? Mm-hmm. Or you're championing. The, the Jeffrey Dahmer and, and the writers and creators who make these brilliantly told stories, beautifully shot, like like major motion picture releases for our home television, and whether just and the guys, I mean, it's a, he's a monster. It's an aptly named show, but to make that the hero of this show and just make it the focal point and make it what? How many episodes is it? How many hours of this show do we have to watch? It's so interesting because back thirty years ago, nineteen ninety three. Sleepless in Seattle was like the fifth biggest movie. Wow. Everyone was watching that movie. Now, obviously, it has Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, Rob right. Reiner, and uh, Nora Ephron right. at the peak of their powers. Um, but it's just 30 years now, later, it's completely we're, flipped. We're broken as I don't people. know how many people are going to watch the uh, Ashton Kutcher, Reese Witherspoon movie in comparison to all these other creepy, thriller, horror things. And what's interesting, the New York Times actually cited you guys brought up Breakfast at Tiffany's um, in the Tuesday. In the, the romance, yeah. Uh, they cited In Cold Blood as the start of this true huh. crime obsession. And I thought that was interesting. That You mean the Truman Capote book? Yes. The book, not any kind of film Probably adaptation. the book, and then of course, I think there was a film adaptation, and that kick-started this yeah. obsession with our investigative That's what they detective. said. You know what's interesting about that, though, is that's more of a psychological profile rather than, I mean, it takes us through the horrible thing, but he really, he went into the, the jail cell and got to know uh, the the person incarcerated for the hideous crime, and so it became more of a psychological thriller in addition to yeah, crime I- Agreed. It, obviously, we've amped it up so much. It's funny. I'm still looking at this Dahmer stuff. The creator is a guy named Ryan Murphy. Do you guys know where Ryan Murphy comes like, from? Glee, Ryan Murphy? Glee. Oh, he wow. made Dahmer? Yes. Well, you know, there's a lot of parallels between what they did to those kids in Glee. <laughs> I got to tell you, man. So wow. you can see, like, maybe not only is he like, hey, this is where the money is. This is what yeah. I'm going to do. But it's also his fascination. He clearly cares about this stuff. Uh-huh. Well, and if you can make... The story of a Glee club in high school, a what six seven year season yeah, that run, was that was one a of the phenomenon. biggest shows. Yeah, and and then he can tell any story. He truly can. Yeah, he really can. Let me let me pitch you an idea on this. A okay, theory, because you would think that 
watching these shows isn't escapism. It certainly isn't for me covering local news in Seattle. But maybe people just don't want to watch When Harry Met Sally because if they don't have that in their life, they don't want to have that empty feeling afterwards. Ooh. Where Because I, I watched a little bit of the Dahmer. I didn't finish it, the Dahmer show. But the first episode, a lot of it is takes place in his apartment. Now, uh, a little personal information from me. I live in a small place. It's not the greatest. Okay. But I was watching the show. It's like, huh, my apartment's not so bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> my apartment's pretty good. Yeah. I'm feeling okay. Matt, well, you feel the same? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, could, I could sense getting that. I only watched the first episode of that. Yeah. Uh, that series. I just, after that, I was out. Um, I same, same with me. Cause, and, but my wife, and I was going to say ate it up, but that's horrible. It's a horrible, it didn't mean the pun. Um, she loved it. And she likes true, uh, true crime my, podcasts. My favorite murder is her favorite yeah. podcast. Oh, wow. Um, and those two ladies do a, fun, a fantastic, they do a fantastic job. I'm trying so hard, man. Um, I think we, I think you might be right. People aren't even hoping for love anymore. Yeah. Maybe they're, not. They're, they're really not. It's taken hope out of the equation. I, yeah. I do have another theory. Please. And this kind of stems Love from it. a personal story as well. My mother in the last, I would say, five years that she was on the planet really started loving horror movies. And I came to the conclusion that it allowed her to get in touch with the fear that she's had about other things in her life and allow that feeling to come out. Oh, so wow. she was able to express that, get those feelings out. And so in a sense, it made her feel calmer and safer, sort of like how you, Frank, think, and my place isn't so bad after all. <laughs> yeah, by comparison. Yeah, kind, right. of a, kind of an emotional, deep emotional connection that she wasn't able to access any other way. But can you speak on why this subgenre is so entrenched with, with women? Because I, too, I have a grandfather who's, who's a big softy and – he he likes Casablanca and things like that. His his wife, my step grandmother, would chow down Stephen King books like there was no tomorrow, weekly, just eating them up. I can I think I can explain why it might be popular as a date movie. You know, because it makes you want to hold on to your date a little bit when things get 100%. scary, <laughs> yeah. and the date probably enjoys that too. But otherwise, I honestly have no idea. I've heard I've heard theories about why women are more drawn toward true crime or murder mysteries or unsolved mystery type programming isn't so much that women have always been victimized mm. throughout society and history, and these type stories often have a result. Have a they got the bad guy. This is how he mm. got caught. Somebody got justice at the end of this. And those type of stories with closure empowering. are yeah. empowering yeah. to women. I can see that. It's just the journey to get there is pretty gruesome. And a lot of times yeah. it treats women in a really poor way. Yeah. Not that the shows are doing that. But no, no, the, but, the, but the facts of the case. Yeah. Yeah. The history of, this, of, the, of the genre is doing that. So you mentioned a bunch of movies that are out right now that were – Date Night Fair for Valentine's Day 2023. <laughs> We're talking to Frank Summerall and Lisa Brooks is joining us about the movies that are out right now, the week of Valentine's Day. And are these date movies? Is this what date movies have devolved into? Knock at the Cabin. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw the trailer for this and it's an M. Night Shyamalan, which is which means also, you know, don't know what to expect. This is baggage with that. Good and bad. Yeah, yes. For, and yes. So Knock at the Cabin is about um, a – now if I – 
read the trailer correctly and saw the trailer, and you know most trailers give the whole plot away, and it's oh, the ridiculous. Like, yeah. What they got to do to get you in a, a theater anymore? Fast and Furious trailer is like five minutes long. Right. <laughs> right. Like, All right, cool. Uh, now I don't have to see it. <laughs> right. So, it, it, knock at the cabin. There's a family, uh, two, two, two men and their child, and strangers show up, and they have to sacrifice one of this family in order to save the it's, world from apocalypse. Oh, it's like a modern Sophie's Choice in a sense. Yes. yes. Wow. Okay. But, you know, not just in Sophie's Choice and one of your children has to die, but now the entire planet is going to die. Yeah. Unless you make a sacrifice and pick it's, one of your family. It's something like that. Of course, with a Shyamalan twist right, and right. something like it's, that. The only way a story like this could be even remotely, not plausible, but okay, I'll, I'll give you two and a half hours of my life is if it's M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see Knock of the Cat? No. You know, Shyamalan is not really my cup of tea. He's done some things that I enjoy. Um, I, I, of course, I think Sixth Sense is great. And we yeah. can talk about Bruce Willis. Um, yeah. Yes, we should. Uh, maybe after the break because it's obviously such a bummer that we're hearing from that. I really liked your guys' list, though, on Tuesday because I was listening. Uh, I was like – Screaming and yelling and jumping up and down until Moonstruck was mentioned. It Thank took you. a little while. Um, that is absolutely uh, a big favorite. Luke, can I throw in one more just to add to that list? Sure. Because sure. it's two kids in love. So it's a little different. Moonrise Kingdom. I can never forget that one. Never it's one of my all times. You know what? That was mentioned in the, uh, was it uh, Harper's Bazaar? Was the, the magazine I was reading, okay. Harper's, was who generated that list of top 50 love romance movies of all time. And they had that movie mentioned in there. Ah. I thought you were going to say Blue Lagoon, because that was just, mm. that's please, oh, no. Oh, creepy. Seriously, not No, good. so that gets more into the creepy <laughs> thing that we were talking about. Thank you. Uh, we're with Frank Summer. We're talking about movies this week, our date movies in general, and where we're going as an audience and what that's... Are we being driven by the industry, or is the industry just following our social trends? I mean, it's the same thing in journalism. It's what drives clicks is the crime stories in your local neighborhood. Boy. And when you say journalism and clicks in the same sentence, yeah. it just breaks a lot I of hearts. I just threw up a little bit no, in my mouth. You're not wrong, but man, you're breaking hearts from here <laughs> to the New York Times. I'm Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler. Lisa Brooks is joining us. Frank Summerl. Uh, we'll be right back after these. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill, along with Matt Butler. Frank Summerall's joining us now talking about the movies that made it into our theaters and home theaters for Valentine's Day week. And the uh, the options, uh, and a lot of rom-coms out there, they're a little on the dark side. And, and maybe the whole industry, as Frank was mentioning, between the series of Dahmer on HBO or any of the other fare that's coming out of late, seems to... to Play, play to our darker natures, you know, our darker side of our our, our psyches these days. Um, and I asked if that was just the industry driving us, or or us reacting to what the industry is doing. But you're right; it's it's what sells. It's what sells. It's 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 where the ideas are. You know, we were talking about ripping headlines and things like that. Yeah. That that's what is in journalism. So you're looking at websites and you're like, oh, this is a crazy crime story. We can make this into 90 minutes. And, you know. <laughs> or an eight-part series. Right, of course. And it's and always you, three parts too long. Right. And you mentioned that the, the Dahmer series is going to be a series of serial killer type yes. dramas about various, you know, the worst of the worst of our, of our criminal element over in our history. And the, but the sensational ones, the ones that grab attention and, and – you know, intrigue us. 
Yeah, it's going to be a, a whole universe of these guys. <laughs> and that's just the way we're going because obviously Marvel set that bar where now we have like all these different characters and all these things interacting. Yeah, the now yeah. they're trying to figure out, well, we're going to have a, a murder series multiverse where you get to have all these guys lined up and you can watch each season by season. I don't know exactly who they're going to uh, – I don't think they've really uh, listed who they're going to cover beyond Dahmer. I'm Oof. sure we could give them some suggestions. Yeah, well, I'd, ra- <laughs> I'd rather they bail on the whole project. It's I'm, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it's and it's feeding the worst of our nature. I really think it is sometimes. You know, I think the fact that we're all a little on the broken side is because we've got so many, as Lisa mentioned, so many channels to fill, and they fill with this content, and this content panders to our our worst, like, you know, our worst side of our nature and almost our worst fetishes, you know, the things that, that, that motivate us or get us intrigued or in, even interested. I don't know. We're, we're kind of running the car off the cliff and we're throwing coal into the engine as it goes. Here's a show it's on Netflix. It's the it's the biggest thing on, this, on the platform right now. It's called You. It's been around for a couple of years now. Uh, it's on season four. Here's the synopsis. Uh, the first season follows the story of Joel Goldberg, a bookstore manager in New York, who upon meeting Guinevere Beck, an aspiring writer, becomes infatuated with her. He feeds his toxic obsession using social media and other technology to track her presence and remove obstacles to their romance. My Little Stalker, tonight <laughs> on Netflix. Great! Now, Super! Now, we've had stalking before, because I do remember in Sleepless in Seattle, Meg Ryan got to some stalking. You know, you know, but it's I, such a different tone. I never, I never considered Meg Ryan a stalker, but when you look at it, woman... Flies across country to stare at guy from across the street without saying a word. Yeah, that's a stalker movie. But it's a different tone. It's light. It's <laughs> right. funny. Who wouldn't want Meg Ryan stalking know, them? I mean, come on, seriously. If Tom Hanks was your stalker, a women would love that movie. Yeah. You know, if Meg Ryan was stalking me with that hair, uh, I'd be like, please do it. You know, you've got male haircut, not so much. But, yeah, I, yeah, I hear yeah. you. Well, but for those of you who are not already, you know, going off the deep end of, of psychic, of uh, the psyche. Uh, Titanic's 25th anniversary was put out, right? Mm-hmm. And did pretty well. People still want that story. It was one of the five biggest domestic releases so far earlier in the year. Um, people can kind of roll their eyes at re-releases like that, but people still go. The room to watch these romantic movies is still there. It's almost as if we need the stars or the filmmakers or the writers to capture it. We don't have Nora Ephron, maybe. No. Unfortunately, she she passed of a, a cancer or something. Yep. Uh, uh, and, and we mentioned before... That we want to bring up Bruce Willis and his mm. diagnosis. That uh, and we've known he retired. Was it last year or the year year before? He retired last year. Just he retired last year. He still has stuff that's been in the woodworks that are coming out. That, 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 so retired. those materials going to be coming out. Yeah. It was announced today that he's got frontotemporal dementia, which is you know a it's a brain disease. And the reason he retired was he was having difficulty with scripts and difficulty doing the work. And you were telling me off air that. The, about some of the things he's been going through, some of the things movie makers have been putting him through. Yeah, so it started a couple of years ago. There were some pieces that were kind of putting him in a bad light because he was struggling with his lines. And like, I think people were upset at the productions of these, you know, because he started working in these really like low bar, kind of trashy movies. Because, and, and what happened was that. Hold on. What am I saying here? Anyway, with Bruce Willis, um, he had 11 movies come out last year. Wow. Let me just – just a couple of the names. Okay. Detective Knight Rogue. 
white elephant, corrective measures, fortress sniper's eye, stuff like that. Okay. And there were some stories that came out a couple years ago that's like, hey, he's not taking the work seriously. He's not learning the lines. He's being difficult. And of course, now we know the full story. He's actually struggling with the real disease. And the family has talked about how these studios have kind of taking advantage of him and shoving him in as many projects as they can because if you put him on the poster if you Bruce Willis will sell tickets you will go see it yeah despite no matter how bad it is and obviously that's just that's just not a way to end a career I no. feel so bad yeah like, just being manipulated like he's such a legend he's yeah we, we mentioned M Night Shyamalan's you know Sixth Sense and you were telling me that that, that movie really it kind of relaunched Bruce Willis because he was having a down period be- before Sixth Sense came out. He had done the Die Hard movies, um, but there was, you know, there was a, a lapse in in his work. Well, and it added another flavor to it, you know, because I yeah. think people look at him as the Die Hard guy, and he's like, yeah, he's the guy with not a lot of hair, who's kind of the average Joe in the action movies, right? But a funny streak. But yeah, you know, moonlighting, right? Moonlighting. He's done some comedies. Uh, he did Fifth Element, which is a bizarre it sci-fi was. movie. Did you ever see the whole nine yards? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, with with, with uh, Matthew Perry, you know, and then he does things like Six Sense and Unbreakable, right. which is a little more sci-fi, a little bit more supernatural. Right, right. He shows Pulp Fiction, right? Right. You know, he's just in there. Butch was great in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Of course. So, did you tell me that Bruce Willis turned down Ghost? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, he turned down Ghost and was kicking himself. Of course, that was the number one movie of 1990. He didn't want to do anything with Ghost or Supernatural. He thought the plot of the protagonist being dead the entire time wouldn't work. Of course, it did. It was a smash hit. Right, right. And maybe you can say, like, well, that's because partially because of Patrick Swayze and his athleticism and his just his charm. Well, yeah, and he had his chemistry with Demi Moore. It's funny. They were in... Alternate, you know, universes, I guess, is how you frame that when he's dead and she's not. But they still had chemistry between the yeah. two, you know. Palpable chemistry. Yes. So then, of course, the next time he gets a, a ghost script, which turned out to be The Sixth Sense, he's like, yep, taking it. Cut to a sidebar, Sixth Sense. Matt, you'll love this. Well, I saw The Sixth Sense without my wife. And I'm like, oh, my God, you got to see this movie. It's it's amazing. It's good. You know? And I'm sitting, I'm just waiting for, I'm waiting for, you know, she's going to love this movie. And five minutes into the movie, my wife looks at me and goes, oh, he's dead. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, he's dead. See, that's why he doesn't, you can't tell, he's, he's dead and he doesn't know it. And I'm like, oh my God. And, and this she was, was the last movie that you went to with your wife. Seriously. <laughs> well, no, I had already seen it. So I, she didn't spoil it for me, but I knew, I thought, oh my God, because I did not see the end of Six Sense Coming. Is she good at picking that up early on? Oh yeah, on? she's, she's, yeah. But my wife watches all the bloody, horror, gory, you name it. My wife, rom-coms, she would rather be strapped to a chair and have needles poked in her eye than watch When Harry Met Sally. Okay, so she'd rather- Or You've Got Mail. Or, or any, you know, Sleepless in Seattle, yawn. But you give her somebody where the flesh is getting peeled off, she's all in, man. Oh, man. I, yeah. <laughs> I married. I married so above my, my um, station. Yeah, honestly, uh, it's funny. You, I, I'm like you. I get sucked into it, so I never see what's coming. And yeah, I always yeah. go, "Whoa!" You know, and then people go, "Like, oh, I saw that." I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> but oh, before before you go, do you have any more for movies? Because I do want to ask you about a note in here that says you've got a simple fix for the NFL. I do. I, I can't believe this is the sidebar. <laughs> Can, can you come back? I can. Uh, yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out. Yeah, let's finish this movie segment. Go ahead. I don't know if Bruce Willis is on the Mount Rushmore of male actors to never receive an Oscar nomination, but oh. we got to think about it. 
you know, obviously we have Donald Sutherland, Steve Buscemi, you've thrown Jim Carrey, but never received a nomination. Never received a nomination. Not even for six cents. Oh. I think the kid did though, and uh, and yeah. of course, um, uh, the mom, Tony Collette. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Fred, Bacon has Ke- received a nomination. Kevin Bacon. Okay. Well, that's a great. That's a great subtopic. Um, <laughs> Frank Sumrall's here. We're talking movies. When we come back. Frank Sumrall, the man you would not expect. I would not expect this from you, but if you've got a solution for the NFL that would have would have taken out the tragedy that was the end of Super Bowl 57. Oh, and let me say, it's 100% foolproof. Great tease. We'll be right back. I'm Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler. We'll be right back after these. Cairo Nights. I'm Spike Neal along with Matt Butler. Oh. So, you know, I, I love having Frank Summerall come in. Frank Summerall, of course, from MyNorthwest.com. Frank is you kind of the, the not only say the editor, because a lot of people put a lot of hard work into MyNorthwest.com, but you, you manage content mm-hmm. on MyNorthwest.com. You make sure that all the shows get their material up onto MyNorthwest.com, no matter where uh, the story comes from throughout the course of our day, whether it's from Dave and Colleen in the mornings through or maybe even us here at night. If something, you at night, absolutely. If something happens that, that, that the folks here at Cairo think is worth your attention and that you need to know about it, Frank, make sure it gets up on MyNorthwest.com. And there's a lot of people working really hard on that website. But I love when you come and we start talking entertainment because you're a movie buff, big time, and you can tell. It shows in how you talk about the movies. <laughs> it really it. does. And I, I love people who are passionate about the things that interest them. Matt Butler... Um, I don't know whether to call him Rain Man or Maestro because <laughs> his knowledge of music and of radio in general. Of radio. Is, seriously, that, that is so rare. Whenever somebody has the passion about the things that interest them, it's, it's impossible not to be, to admire them when, when they, when they start talking to it. And it's so entertaining and it sucks you in when you talk about something that you really care about. Mm-hmm. So when you come in and talk movies with us, and I know next week we got other stuff planned about oh, like sure. blockbusters and stuff we're going to talk about next week. Um, but in the notes of, of for tonight's segment, Frank's got the fix for the NFL that would have avoided that nightmare of an ending in Super Bowl Fifty Seven. So Frank Sumrall, uh, who I would never expect this this answer. I mean, I could I could see if Mike saw him and said, "I got the solution mm-hmm. for what happened in the Super Bowl." I said, "Okay, I could see somebody who's dedicated his life to sports and sports broadcasting." What do you got? So so let's recap if we can. Do it. So this Super Bowl was amazing by all accounts. Two phenomenal offenses, two phenomenal defenses. The two top teams in the league, the number one seed in the AFC and the NFC, made it to the Super Bowl. There was a stat pregame that both teams were 16-3. and three. Both teams had scored like 500 or 467 points. They were identical in stats. And... We got the Super Bowl that lived up to its expectations. At the end of the game, it's 35-35, and it's where I was going to get the ball last. It's one of those games, right? People just keep making huge plays on both sides of the ball. And with 90 seconds left, a referee who the officials had not really blown it all game. There were a couple of calls that were questionable, bang-bang plays, out-of-bounds plays. Was that a fumble? Was it a catch? And they reviewed them, and it seems that they got them right, and they went both ways for most of the game. And then with 90 seconds left, this official called a holding, a defensive holding on a receiver for Kansas City. And it gave the Chiefs a fresh set of downs and 90 seconds within the shadow of the goalpost. And that was the end of the game. They're going to run out the clock, kick a game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. Robbed us, the fans, a lot of people say, myself, I feel the same way. Robbed us of the ending we deserved. 
Would would Jalen Hurts get another chance to take his number one Eagle offense and down the field and either tie or win the game? Maybe it was the ending we deserved. Well, not the ending we, we wanted. Not the ending we wanted. Fair <laughs> enough. So your solution, what can the NFL do to make sure that that kind of play doesn't happen to that kind of game again? So that play was third and eight. Mm-hmm. Defensive holding, five yards. No more automatic first downs. Done. So it would have been third and three? Been third and three. Ooh. Done. Saved it. NFL's fixed. Hmm. Now, if the yardage, if you have... If it's downfield... If you have a head-to-head hit, that's a 15-yard penalty. If you right. have a pass interference, that turns into 45 yards. Obviously, that's a first down. Right. But if you have a five-yard penalty, and you are more than five yards away from the first down, it should not be automatic. Well, the, pro- the, the problem with that is this. There's yards after catch. When somebody makes a catch of five yards or whatever, you know, that that's going to give them a first down. That's I I, I like where you're going, but hmm, I don't know if it's the perfect solution. But it's perfect because that throw wasn't even close. No, that and, throw, and, and that was one of those non-catchable balls. And Mahomes, right? like, hey, I'm not trying to call you James Harden. I respect you. You're one of three quarterbacks to win two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, and two Super, Super Bowls, Bowls, obviously. Yeah. Um, but... He clearly was going for the flag on that play. Yeah. He wasn't trying to score. He threw the ball out of bounds. He was going for that. Let's get rid of this automatic first down. Uh, get it, it back you know, to third, th- third, three. third and three. They got a chance to get a first down, earn it themselves, run out the clock, and not have an official decide the game. And, of course, if there is a penalty that's more severe or if it's third right. and one and you have ten yards or third and five and it's 15 right. yards. Interference is a different call you than holding. I like but it. You I like can't, it. You shouldn't get the first every single time. I like where you're going. Yeah. We can keep we keep working on it, but we'll pitch it to Seattle Sports <laughs> soon. <laughs> Frank Semmel, thank you so much, my friend. Hey. Uh, w- when we come back, uh, we wouldn't give Joe Biden a driver's license renewal without certain tests. Are we going to get him a chance to for the Oval Office again at the age of was he 93? No, I'm kidding. 84? They're all saying he's going to yeah. run for re-election. Some, somebody's saying he they should test every politician of that age mm. to make sure they know which end of the uh, the muffler the potato goes in. Uh, it's Kyra Knights. I'm Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler. We'll be right back.